Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Tech Central. How you doing? This is Dusty Rhodes. Welcome to Tech Radio with all the latest in tech from around Ireland and across the world. Remember, there are many ways of getting our show. You can uh, download direct from our website at techcentral.ie. You can use the smartphone podcast app. Uh, iTunes always there for you or turn us on every Friday on the radio. DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Joining me as always is our editor-in-chief, Niall Kitson, uh, with the finger on the pulse of what's happening in the world. It's been a quiet week this week, Niall. Yeah, not a lot going on really, is there? (laughs) Oh, well, aside from 13 billion uh, little Apple things, but uh, other than that, yeah. I think, what were you saying? If, if this was a week you wanted to hide something? That's that's <laughs> it, you know. If you've done anything dodgy, this is the week. Absolutely. So listen, give me give me the, the a, a refresh in the headline in 10 seconds. Okay, right. Basically, Apple owns the state chunk of money, according to the uh, European Commission, Um Ireland is actually saying, no, Apple don't owe us a big chunk of money and we don't really need that money to fund essential services or anything like that. And even if we did get the money, all we're going to do is pay down the national debt. The population won't see a lick of difference for it. So there. Can you imagine the difference it would make to our country if we had an extra 13 billion in the bank in one year alone? I mean, that is, you know, we're in the midst of a housing crisis. We've got a Mm. fairly ramshackle health service at the moment. Uh, I mean, how much would that, even if you were to bring in better supports for SMEs and startups, mm. I mean, there is so much we could do with that money. And it's it's money that we, we should have had in the first place. Um, well, uh, according to different arguments, you, yeah. you've got you've got one perspective on this. So we'll tell me what you think and we'll we'll bounce well, this around there's, between there's, us. There's the whole money side of it. And that's what everybody is concentrating on. But I actually think that this story is really about Ireland's reputation is now in tatters in the world. And I think that's not very good for the country. And then also, I think what the real story is and what everybody is actually really interested in, what this whole thing is about is who runs the world? Mega corporations okay, well, or governments? OK, well, let's let's look at the mechanics of what happened first and then we'll, we'll go macro with it and, and see what see what happens. So. Uh, Basically, what the European Commission had a problem with is Ireland's tax structure, right? And and something else related to that, which we we can talk about in a second. So basically, if you were in anywhere on the European continent, right, or England or anywhere like that, and you bought something from Apple, right, in one of their stores or, you know, through an agent or something like that, because, you know, Apple centralizes all their pricing and sales structure, you didn't buy something in that country, you didn't buy something in Apple Store London, for example, or Apple Store Paris. You bought something from Apple Sales International that happened to be in that country. Okay, so you bought something from Apple Sales International, which is a company that is based in Ireland. So any revenue that's made across Europe isn't actually taxed in Europe at the various different tax rates that there are. So all the money goes into Ireland and is taxed at the Irish rate. Uh, Only all of that money isn't taxed. The money is split off into two entities. One goes to Apple for research and development um, activities, uh, uh, off in the States, and one chunk of it goes off to another company, uh, which is 
basically a paper company. It's a it's a holding company and, and a, a nominal head office, uh, which doesn't have much in the way of staff. It doesn't actually produce that, anything. And it's actually a, a stateless entity. So it's money that isn't liable for taxable for, for tax purposes under the Irish system at all. So this arrangement has been going on for the last 10 or so years. And uh, there was two deals uh, apparently made in order to keep this arrangement in place. One was made in 2003. Um, now, Ireland ostensibly has a corporate tax rate of 12.5%, which is already really low by international standards. I mean, in the US, the Apple should be paying something like 35% on what they make. To make you know to, to have to pay 12.5% over in Ireland is minuscule in comparison. However, under the first deal, Apple was paying only 1% on its profits in corporation tax. So, you know, this is profit. So this is after money has been siphoned away to the states, right? So this is kind of what's left and what hasn't been sent off to head office, 1%. In 2014, uh, a second deal was made, which meant that uh, using the same structure, Apple only had to pay 0.005% in corporation tax. In tax on its on its profits, like that's that's what it had to pay the exchequer. So the EU um, had a look at this. They said, look, this is an unfair uh, tax structure. It gives an unfair competitive advantage to Ireland, and uh, therefore Apple, you owe all this money that you haven't been paying the exchequer, which accounts to thirteen billion euro. Now, it's not just that though. Europe uh, came out and said, look, this is bad enough that that Apple is actually paying. You know this little but there's not really a lot we can do about that i mean we don't like it but there's not a lot we can do about that our main problem is that this structure is in place and it's not being offered to every country operating in ireland therefore apple got favorable treatment which is anti-competitive which is what we have been caught up in uh, as a country so this is where this tax liability comes from it's uh, it's this idea that apple was given a deal or the option on a deal that every other company in Ireland wasn't given or every other MNC wasn't given. Therefore, it is an uncompetitive state and amounts to a sweetheart deal. That's anti-competitive. So, Dusty, um, that gets around what to, do you think? But that, that gets around to my question, all right, which is what I think the real issue is about is who runs the world? mega corporations or countries because i mean you can see it from ireland's point of view right uh apple come in and they're so big and they kind of go listen you know what that that 12 and a half percent tax rate it's fantastic but you know what we're going to put so much money through your little country we're going to sell everything we sell in the world is going to come via ireland okay we're talking billions billions trillions more than your country turns over is going from our one company so we want a special deal and this is what we want now if you're the politician you're kind of thinking well, you know yeah, yeah I, can, I can go in and i can change the laws and we can make this happen and you know and i know it's apple but they are an exception because even though they're only paying one percent they're probably paying more than everybody else combined they're that big okay and well, it yeah, makes and sense but it makes sense that you know a country will then do just as a business decision to go do you know what it's good business well let's do that all right um but yeah well any, that co- means- any company will look to minimize their tax burden i mean uh, you, this is why tax inversions are so unpopular i mean they, they're yeah. legally correct they're legally yeah. fine for the moment but they're morally and ethically abhorrent 
And, you know, this is money that should be coming in, should be uh, taxed appropriately, should be mm-hmm. going towards public services, mm-hmm. and they're not. They're going towards dividends and shareholders. So for the privilege of enjoying, you know, a free market, light mm-hmm. regulation, etc., you're not pulling your weight. You're making an awful lot of money, and you're looking after your shareholders instead of the country that has actually facilitated your you being able to conduct business in this way. You see, you should be an EU commissioner because I'm almost on the side of Apple. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is interesting because you're you're a, you're a business owner and I'm a yep. PAYE worker. Yep. So we, we would naturally have different perspectives on this because as a business owner, you want to limit your tax liability. Yeah, of course you do. All right. Uh, however, the, 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 here's a here's a, I, I don't think it's right what, what, what's happening. I don't like the fact that Apple have got so powerful that they are able to tell governments of countries what to do. I don't think that's right. Uh, however, what I would say about, and this is what it comes up with, you know, come with Facebook and with Starbucks and with Amazon and with Apple and so on and so forth, right? The one thing is they do create an awful lot of employment wherever they are and they do pay the uh, employment taxes on the people that they do employ and the people that they do employ pay taxes on their salaries and then there's other taxes that uh, uh, VAT and stuff like that is all generated as well uh, through the sales of their products. So, you know, kind of an awful lot of tax does come through Apple and what we're, we're focusing on there is what's left after all of those taxes have been paid and taken out that is the company profit. It's like, you know, kind of in, in, in kind of in my mind, in some ways, it's fair game that after you've paid all of those other taxes, um, well, let the company keep as much as it possibly can. Well, Apple will say, you know, in Ireland, we employ 5,000 people and we're building a giant data center in Athenry. You know, our, mm-hmm. our commitment to Ireland is, is you know, it's it's significant. Yep. And, you know, we're we're entitled well, not entitled, but, but, you know, if there's advice you can give us, absolutely. And if it's legal, that's that's cool. Um, the, I, I, yeah, I mean, when you when you look at a company that potentially contributes so much to our uh, tax base, but our reputation uh, as a tech hub. Well, and when you look at all the big companies that are here, you go, who's in Ireland? You go, well, we got Microsoft and Apple and LinkedIn and Facebook and, mm. you know, it's a, it's a list as long as your arm at this stage, all availing of a sympathetic tax structure. Um, and there was a, an interview with uh, Mike Scully, who was the CEO of Apple at the time of uh, the company locating over here in 1991. And uh, it was actually done at the Web Summit uh, last year, two years ago, when he was over. Um, and uh, he was asked, you know, what, what informed uh, Apple's opinion to come to Ireland? Straight out, he said the tax structure. <laughs> it wasn't talent because there wasn't anything there here at the time. Mm. But um, yeah, tax structure straight away. Well, I think it's uh, I, I think it's incredibly bad news for Ireland because you know we like to punch above our weight. We like to you know tell the world that we're fantastic. But you know what? We're the little guys. We're just this tiny little rock of four million people, you know, hanging off the edge of the Atlantic and all of these other big players are just, uh, they're all playing us. Apple are playing us. The EU are playing us. Do you know what I mean? The EU are probably well, we trying, using Apple to get at us uh, as part of the transatlantic uh, uh, process, which is good, seems to be not doing very well at the minute. Uh, they also, the EU maybe want to get at us because we've got the 12.5% uh, corporation rate in the first place. Apple are using us because they know they can throw their weight around there. So they're, they're bigger than what the Ireland, the country 
thing is, you know, to, so it's a, and, and we're stuck in the middle. And you know what? We look like a pack of dodgy gits down an alleyway in a, in, in a, in a little trench coat or whatever going, here, kid, you're looking for some good interest rates. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, this is exactly what happened to us with the banks. I mean, if this was, you know, if it was Italy happened to suffer the biggest yeah. financial crash in history, do you think they'd be saddled with the kind of, kind of debt we are? No, no I don't think so. And actually, do you know what? Let's leave it at that because you say it, it goes back to the banks, which was where we started the conversation by saying, imagine that 13 billion that Apple would have to pay in back taxes. Imagine what that would do for the country. We won't see a penny because we have to pay off the banks. How's that yeah. for an end to a conversation? Listen, let's get on to uh, all the things that are happening. Oh, look, next week, Apple are going to announce a new phone. <laughs> <laughs> I know, isn't it exciting after talking about Apple it's, for so it's long? The, it's the iPhone 13 billion. <laughs> what, what are you hoping for in the iPhone 7? Uh, okay, well, uh, not something I'm necessarily hoping for, but I think something that's inevitable mm. is um, this whole thing of we're getting rid of the 35 millimeter headphone jack and we're going to be stuck with a lightning connector uh, for headphones which means that we will have to get another adapter uh, if you want to use your regular headphones or use a, a set of wireless headphones uh, which is what I'm doing at the moment I'm using um, the, I, I had a wonderful set of Sennheiser's uh, wired headphones that I've had for years and years and uh, I actually see them around town I see so many people wearing the, the same model because they're great um, uh, but uh, the other day I, I switched up to a set of blue, Bluetooth um, headset because um, I, I have a CD player on uh, and I'm not necessarily in the same room the whole time and I don't want to turn up the speakers so it's um, you know it's a pretty good solution for that kind of thing um, if you if you don't mind the really short range on it it's kind of put your stereo on in the bedroom and just go into the front room or something like that and you'll just about get a get a decent signal so yeah well, lesser of two evils I, I think there uh, of course we're going to see um, better battery life. We might see a better chip. You, you never know. Um, we're still going to have the, the favourites of Force Touch. We're, go- we're going to have iOS 9 as well. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm personally, I think the iPhone SE could be the best phone they've released in a couple of years at this stage. I don't believe in the screen size arms race that a lot of people are getting very hung up on. You know, they go, oh, I, d- I didn't know myself until I got, you know, an extra row of apps on my home screen mm. um, I, I mean you, you've traded up in terms of screen size are, are you a believer? Uh, I am a believer yes 100% so I'm sorry I'm going to be one of those people that says the extra row of app icons is fantastic <laughs> Um, no I I do appreciate I I do like that bigger uh, I do like that bigger screen I have to say because we do so much with our smartphones these days you you need something half reasonable and a screen that's the size of your hand is half reasonable I think Uh, when you're trying to get something small I mean when you if you only needed to hit numbers to dial a number or maybe just something to send text messages you know the smaller the iPhones uh, as the original size when they came out but would be great but it's funny like I mean I, I I look at my note uh, now and then I look at the, you know, the iPhone three or whatever it was that one of the, one of the original smartphones that come out and I go, 
what the hell? <laughs> he looks like a toy. <laughs> so, uh, so I don't know. I, I think I really don't like that headphone thing. I really don't like that headphone. You know, the wireless headphones, yeah, it's nice, blah, blah, blah. Or you have to connect in with the lightning connector. It's like, no, 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 no. I don't like because that's Apple going off on their own bloody cart and wagon again and not actually having an international standard that people are used to and will use with other things. It's like, you know, it's so much buying into the Apple way and just forget everything else. I hate them for it. I hate them more for that than I do that they got a good tax deal out of Ireland. That's how much I hate it. <laughs> okay, tell us what you really think, Dusty. <laughs> now, another one that I'm not happy with is the news uh, from WhatsApp uh, this week because, you know, they're starting to share their details with Facebook. Alarm bells start ringing immediately. Uh, and now this week they've been saying that they're going to start mining uh, what you're actually saying in your text to deliver appropriate advertising. Yeah, kind of an inevitable development, really, when you look at um, Facebook's commercial model uh, and indeed the likes of Google or whatever. But like for me, the attraction of WhatsApp is it's it's the total opposite to Twitter, for example. Right. I mean, Twitter will mine your tweets and do all all that sort of nonsense as well. But Twitter is an open network, ostensibly, um, and you're throwing yourself at the mercy of anyone. Um, However, WhatsApp, uh, for me, is a pioneer of sort of um, social network 2.0 where you just keep your your network small it makes it makes very little sense to have a large whatsapp group i think it's fair to say um so uh people they're coming to this same with snapchat small followers and secure I mean, whatsapp is meant to be end-to-end encryption that's nice um now we're now it looks like whatsapp is going through the same commercial model you're going to see algorithm-led um, sales and marketing through WhatsApp, which is kind of kind of antithetical to the whole point of it's secure messaging and you're not going to get bothered. You are absolutely right, Niall. I, I, the one thing that screams in my head is what if Vodafone turned around and said they were going to do that with our normal text messaging? Like yeah, the or, amount or, of you know, people who would just jump up immediately <laughs> yeah. and scream blue murder and, you know, kind of the, uh, the state interfering with, you know, and being able to read people's text messages and stuff like that. But actually, do you know what? what we th- I think one thing we have to remember is that the state can, if they wish, read your text messages anytime they want, because I believe that mobile phone providers have to keep text messages sent across their network for up to a period of up to two years. Yeah, yeah, that, that, this, that, that, is, this is one of our strange side. data protection problems that, yeah, that we have yeah. at the moment. So I don't know. I think, yeah, um, yeah. and this the, is before commercial concerns come in. Yeah, I like WhatsApp. I use WhatsApp. I use WhatsApp a lot. Uh, but yes, it's very much my private mode of communication. Uh, and I would use it. One of the features I like about WhatsApp is that there's groups. So there's three or four people, just a little group, a family group or a group of friends or something like that. And we text between us. But it is private. It's not meant to be out there on the Internet. And the fact that somebody is going to be dipping in and that, sniffing in on it so they can show us appropriate advertising, I don't like it at all. I'd rather pay the 89 cent a year to use WhatsApp and not have it, uh, with, which is maybe <laughs> what the what the whole point is. Scare him, then hit him for 90 cent. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? And Fair listen, uh, one, uh, uh, one slightly dodgy little story with Dropbox, because I was only saying to you that I got an email two days ago from Dropbox going, oh, you haven't updated your password in uh, in uh, six months. Uh, next time you log in, we'll just, we'll just ask you to update. It's just a, it's only a little security thing just to keep things super safe. Thanks. 
It sounds so benign, doesn't it? It's yeah. like, oh, have you have you updated your email, your password since I don't know, two thousand twelve? Well, maybe maybe you might like to. It's good practice. Give yeah. it a go. Yeah, uh, but, and <laughs> but apparently uh, they've had all of their Dropbox ba- uh, Dropbox passwords nicked, <laughs> and somebody well, out there not, is not all of them. them. Sixty, a meager sixty-eight million. Ah, why didn't you say? Yeah. Oh yeah. my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. Listen, uh, that's, that's, that's enough, I think, for the news this week. Let's find out what you were up to during the week. This is Tech Central, your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's techcentral.ie. So, Niall, you were at a big event on Monday night. Tell me what it was. Yeah, I went to the um, Dublin Machine Learning Meetup and uh, I I wanted to find out all about um, what the state of play with machine learning is, what it actually looks like as a field and what sort of work is being done in it in Ireland specifically. So uh, off I went. Off you went. And while you were there, you got to speak with the event organiser, who is Annie Rue Gosh. Let's take a listen. I'm here at uh, a very special meetup, actually, dealing with all things machine learning, uh, and I'm speaking with the organizer of, uh, it's actually a regular meetup, I think it's on the last uh, Monday of every month, yeah. uh, and I'm here with Annie Root Gosh, uh, who is the founder of um, the Machine Learning Meetup, uh, which is organized in association with the ADAPT Centre out in uh, Trinity College, and this uh, this meeting is also sponsored by Deutsche Bank as well. Um, so, Annie just tell us a little bit about where the inspiration for this meetup came from because it's a regular event but um, the nice things about meetups is that they very often come from the grassroots don't they yeah first thing I will explain that uh, this meetup actually started with me uh, Arturo Kellyan uh, Alex O'Connor and many other people who we all started all together when in Dublin meetup is really famous actually people do come to the meetup. So then we came up with a thought that we know the technology, but we are not broadcasting it to the proper people. Maybe we can bring up all of the machine learning learners and what we know, what we have, we share with them. And that can be a good platform to exchange the ideas. That's how we started. Then the first meetup was uh, sponsored by ADAP. Afterwards, different companies, they started approaching us. And we also approached different companies. And then they funded us the uh, amenities of the meetup. And we also find out that different when we go to different companies, they give us space uh, in their office. And also, since there are all the people who are dedicated to machine learning, they are directly related to machine learning. So... That can be a good platform for different companies to broadcast their product, their vacancies, everything. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a really win-win situation for, from, from the organizer side, from the attendee side. That's how we came up with this idea. It's a sixth installment right now. Uh, sixth time we organize it. And it's from the first meter we were 100 members. Right now, after the sixth meter, we have 1089 members. That's, uh, that's pretty impressive, all right. And one thing that I picked up um, from the meetup this evening was this sort of very healthy line of dialogue between industry and academia and the community at large. So when you manage to fill a room like this, who is actually in here? I mean, it's, it's, not, um, it's, it's not all you know, pure researchers. It's not people at management level uh, exclusively. So what kind of mix are, do we have? 
So far, I have noticed that we have the people from the industry, and there are many students, PhD students, and postdocs. They are also engaged with this because, uh, from the point of interest, that different companies is running different technology. Like uh, uh, today, Paulito has explored Julia, which is a new language and which is really. Uh, doing better uh, in deep learning as it's because of the speed because the Python community in deep learning is really famous where the Java community is not that big but now the Julia community which is getting faster and it's coming up so as a, this kind of situations uh, brings actually the coder the business developer the student the researcher the business analysts is all in, under the same roof. And I guess that speaks to the extent that um, you know, machine learning, it, it, to a certain extent, it, it hasn't quite found its feet because it is finding purchase in so many different areas. And that, that creates a very healthy kind of cross-pollination, doesn't it? Yeah, that's true. Uh, right now, uh, this explore of deep learning and explore of machine learning, this all when this comes together, this has spread out like it's actually spreading like we call it we can call it epidemic and it's spreading out everywhere and people are actually wants to learn it and wants to use it every in their every aspect because that's what's the basis of every um, amenities we have every uh, technological aspects we have it's actually based on this kind of machine learning so we want to share that knowledge where this knowledge it gets limited only to the specific university or specific classroom which people don't get it but here we can get a wider audience and we bring the level down also the start people like the people who are beginners they can also easily get understand and communicate with the speaker and they can process uh, later on, stay in touch with them and learn more. And when it comes to speakers, I mean, th- this evening we had sort of the, the whole gamut of sort of the academic, the business, and the, and the coding perspective. Um, to what extent is it actually becoming you know, more difficult or easier to, to find people that are willing to stand up for 25-odd minutes and lay out their, um, their work in a, an easily digestible form? Is there an appetite to do that, or do people sort of show up and they look forward to the networking before and after? Uh, well, this was, I would say, 50-50. Uh, there were situations in the first few meetups we really had troubles to find uh, speakers. And we asked people, we said that if anybody wants to speak, then we find out that it's become regular, like people are starts to come to us. And we also like, and when we find someone has a good research, we said we encourage the people, like, please sh- share this your knowledge with uh, with our community and that can be a good platform to share your knowledge and then if somebody wants to connect with you and that's and in our adapt center also we find out there are many projects going on there are many uh, even different companies there are different projects going on so they want to broadcast that uh, even we organized with Deutsche Bank today and Deutsche Bank uh, one technology they are using which is not directly connected but we know about that one right now so this kind of 
exploration, uh, this kind of outlook we get from the, it's, which is what we think of a bank, this kind of outlook doesn't come out, but we get a different outlook of the same bank or the technology they are doing. And do you find that across different industries as well, that you know, there, there is this sort of amazement at, at the way different sectors are picking up on machine learning? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's can be, I won't say surprise, because it can be surprising for the new people who were still beginning, but we, from the if research perspective, I can see it's going towards the ten, tra- train because uh, in our adapt center which where we connect uh, the SFI and the different industry with the researchers uh, in our we have around 140 uh, 200 uh, more than 200 researchers under our hood and uh, we recently gather around 50 million euros for from different industry from SFI and we are uh, putting them into different research fields and hiring different PhD students, hiring postdocs and uh, working with the company and doing the improvement. So from that point of sight, uh, for the beginners, it can be appealing. But for our side, we kind of find out how it's how we were at the appealing stage and now how we are transcending to the commercial stage. So that's the change of look that can be appealing, interesting, also um, like integrating, I will say, for everybody, for, for us also, for the newcomers also. And that was Niall Kitson speaking with the event organiser, Annie Rood Gosh. If you'd like to hear more, Niall also chatted with the Assistant VP of Research and Development at Deutsche Bank, John Doyle, and data scientist, Annie Pilatero Romero. And you can hear those interviews as a podcast extra this week on iTunes or on our website at techcentral.ie. We just decided to put it out there as a, like a DVD extra. All right, now, listen, just before we go, Niall, do we have a one more thing for this week? Something we weren't able to squeeze in on the show that's on the website? Yeah, well, well, apparently the US Army has big plans for uh, drones and artificial intelligence and the battlefield of the future. So you can read about that on techcentral.ie. Say artificial intelligence again like that. Well, artificial intelligence. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you said it. You said it so with an American twang. Listen back to the podcast and you'll hear yourself and you'll go, oh, my God. Oh, really? <laughs> Listen, you can get more on that story and all the Irish tech news with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more from techcentral.ie, as well as our weekly tech radio show online and every Friday at 6 p.m. on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Until next week, from myself, Dusty Rhodes and from Niall Kitson at Tech Central HQ, thanks for listening. Take care. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.